Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 131 of Manage the Wild. I'm Nick Madsen. Today, we're going to be talking about the dispersal theory and how it applies to mule deer. And it's not what you think it is. It's all sparked because of a conversation I had with Toby Boudreaux of Idaho. And he is the deer and elk coordinator. And he recommended that I get this book, Ecology and Management of Black-Tailed and Mule Deer of North America. This book is heavy. It is a college course book, and it is. It take takes me a while to get through each section as I've been going through it. Super fascinating, though. Little PTSD. I, I have I have flashbacks from when I was in college, and and I had to memorize chapters of books like this and then present them to professors. And I've had to look up quite a bit of the terminology just to make sure I understand what they're talking about. But it's okay flashbacks are good. So this book covers the history of mule deer from the creation of mule deer or how they think they came to be to current management plans. So the deer that we recognize as whitetail, mule deer, blacktail deer, they were not here before what was called the Miocene period. And that happened 23 million years ago to 5 million years ago. And there was these deer over in Eurasia that ended up hopping on the land bridge and wandering their way into North America. That land bridge is called Virginia. Researchers believe that they crossed sometime around five and a half million years ago. Three different species came down. And at the time they came down, they interacted with giant sloths, camels, mastodons, mammoths, saber-toothed cats, longhorn bison, and native horses, the cute little kind that were size of dogs. So they, they've been here for a while. But there was a bunch of advancing and receding of glaciers. They kept advancing and receding, and it kept causing problems, and it created a mass extinction where we lost all of those. Even the three species of deer that came over from Eurasia, we lost all of them but one, Otocoilus. Now, pardon my Latin, uh, I was never good in college with Latin, and I still am not today, and the reason why I know that is when I would talk, professors would laugh. I know that I'm saying things partially incorrectly, and it's not on purpose. Five and a half million years ago, they came. Three and a half million years ago, the only one that was left is the Otocoilus, and researchers started looking into when there was a separation between whitetail and blacktail. And the best that they can come up with, because there's a lack of fossil evidence, the best that they could come up with is a separation happened somewhere between 750,000 years ago and 3.7 million years ago. Not very good timing. But they believe that it was about 3.5 million years ago. And this is where the first theory that we're going to talk about comes into play, the dispersal theory and mule deer. As the glaciers were advancing and receding, it cut these two species off. Blacktail were largely confined to Washington, Oregon, and California along the coasts, and whitetail spread all the way down into Florida. Then as the glaciers advanced across North America down into the United States, it cut them off, and there they continued to grow. But then as it started to recede, something happened. Mule deer, and this is part of the dispersal, they believe that mule deer broke off from blacktail and they started to follow the receding 
uh, glaciers. And what's interesting about this is before genetic evidence came into play, you could look at a blacktail, you could look at a mule deer, and you could say, yep, that's what happened. Mule deer derived from blacktail. We know that. That's You could look at it. But they started to do some genetic testing. A couple of different things. Mule deer are different from blacktail in the fact that they are larger their color, there's a color variation. There's some physical traits. As far as their ears, their faces are different. Their antlers are different. At first, it was largely attributed to that once mule deer started moving into this uninhabited territory, they started to express these phenotypic traits that were unavailable to them because of competition competition amongst themselves for food. But they moved into this area that no longer had competition. And it had all this nutrients, and there was a lack of predators, and they could finally express some of those phenotypic traits that they hadn't been able to before. And this is largely the thought. Then genetic testing came around, and they said, okay, we can look at the genetics, and we can get a pretty good idea of when this transition period happened from blacktail to mule deer. There's two different kinds of DNA they look at. One is the N-DNA, which shows the traits of both the father and the mother. And it's basically the physical traits that we carry around today. Why do I have face uh, hair on my face? Why am I bald? Why am I big? Why am I skinny? Why am I tall? All those traits are between your mother and your father. And then they can look at the mitochondrial DNA, mtDNA. Researchers, based upon fossils and everything, started to look at NDNA, but there's not as many samples available. And it's easier for researchers to tell mtDNA how closely are they connected because it just is showing the DNA of the mother. They can look at that DNA and then they can compare it to a fossil mtDNA and they can see how closely they are related. So researchers compared the mtDNA from current samples taken to fossil samples, and they found something that didn't match up. At the time, the current thought was mule deer broke away from blacktail, and they believed that it happened during the advancing and receding. But the mtDNA showed that mule deer are more closely related to whitetail than to blacktail. And so now researchers aren't really sure what to do. So the problem you have with hypotheses are, especially these ones, they're based on limited, limited evidence, right? They don't have a whole lot of fossil samples. That's the challenge. There's not really anything in the north. A lot of the stuff they're finding is in the south, and it's just difficult to find. So they create these hypotheses, and it was based upon the current belief because both mule deer and blacktail look fairly similar. Mule deer are not as closely related to blacktail as they are whitetail. So there's got to be some other hypothesis out there that can show why there is a discrepancy. Again, there's all these theories, and the theories have good explanations, but they are always full of holes. So it'll be interesting as I go through this book and learn uh, about the evolutionary history of mule deer, how these, all these things come together and how it works together. And people are asking the question, why do we care about the history of mule deer? 
And the important thing to remember is when you look at the history, you can understand how an animal evolved and you can start to understand some of the requirements. So our goal is to manage mule deer, but we need to understand where mule deer came from to give us a better way of managing these animals because we are changing their landscape. We're altering their landscape every day by all the different disruptions that we're doing, putting in new roads, putting in uh, commercial and residential buildings, putting up fences. All these things are altering the landscape and it's taking us further and further away from the way this animal had evolved. So if we can understand the way that mule deer evolved, we can get a better understanding of the direction we need to take management. That is the lesson I think we should learn from today. All right, you guys, have a great day. Stay wild. Enjoy.